Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. All right. Now, how many of you guys are ready for the Word of God? Yeah? Today, I'm going to talk about real faith. Can you say real faith? Real faith. Why am I talking about real faith? Let me tell you. Because nine months ago today, literally like today, nine months ago, I woke up and the Lord spoke to me. It's one of the few times in my life this has happened where I just wake up and hear the Lord say something to me very clear. And he asked me this question. You want to know what it is? Okay, good, because I'm going to tell you. So he asked me, he said, will you trust I am who I say I am? And that question, I honestly that day thought it was for you guys because I happened to be ministering that day. But then I found out it was more for my life and the season that I'm in. And so that question has been coming to me over and over and over as every situation I have faced the last nine months of my life, including the stuff in Peru when it looks like impossible, you know. I have that ringing, will you trust I am who I say I am? You know, will you trust me? And I've learned that trust is faith. Faith is trust. It really is. It's super simple. This is a simple word, but it's a powerful word if we let it sink into us. So faith is trust. And I want to show you out of Hebrews 11. Some of you may know that's the faith chapter, but I'm going to read you a verse in the amplified version because it amplifies things. Um, And I believe it gives a really great definition of faith. And so I want you guys to get this today. So by faith, right? Then it says that is with an inherent trust trust and enduring confidence. I I love that word enduring. Hold on to that because it's going to come up later. Enduring confidence in what? In the power, wisdom, and goodness of God. Yeah, so let's go back to the first. So by faith that is with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God. My friends, this is faith. It is trusting God. It is enduring confidence. And it's enduring confidence in what? In his power, in his wisdom, and in his goodness. This is so important. I could say that I have faith in Pastor Hunter. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. I trust it. And I know that him as my pastor, if he gives me advice, it's going to be good. But if I didn't know he was good, I, I wouldn't listen to really what he had to say, right? We have to know God is good. We have to know that his ways are better than our ways, right? We have to know that he's all powerful. We have to, to know this in order to trust him. And so I want to focus on that. I will say this. This is a big warning to you guys today. Faith is not just believing. Faith is not just believing. Why do I say that? I'm going to read you a verse. There's going to be a lot of scripture today. You can follow along in your Bible app if you want under events, Encounter Church. I'm going to read you a verse that really gets me every time I read it out of James 2. And so James 2, 19 to 22 It says this, you believe that there is one God. You do well. 
And then it says the thing that frightens me sometimes. It says, even the demons believe. Hmm. I don't think the demons are going to heaven, guys. I don't think they have like a right relationship with God, salvation, anything like that, right? So, but they believe. So that speaks something to me. That means faith in Christ and my salvation, right, is not just believing. And I think a lot of people today say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, I'm good, but they don't really trust him and change the way they live. That's not faith. So let's continue reading. It says, but you, do you want to know, oh foolish man? Yikes. Man, James is a hard book, guys. But it's good, we need to read it. It says that faith without works is dead. Why is that? Because if your faith doesn't change the way you live, it isn't real faith. If your faith doesn't change the way you live, it isn't real faith. And so I know many of you in here today, you have real faith. You have changed the way you live. You trust God. I know that. But maybe there's someone in here, or maybe someone that's listening to the podcast later, or maybe you're watching live right now, and you say, I believe, but my life has not changed at all. Then I am here to warn you, your faith is dead. Okay? And then it says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Think about the trust Abraham had to have in God to offer his promise, his promised one and only kid that came as a miracle in his old age, right? He had waited on for years and he was willing to trust God enough to say, God, I believe that you're good, you're all powerful, your wisdom is better than mine and this doesn't make any sense right now (laughs) at all, but I don't care because I trust you, right? And he offered his son on the altar That is faith, my friends. And I I don't know about you, maybe there's a dream or a promise God's given you in your life and you feel like right now he's asking you to sacrifice it for some reason. And it could be maybe that he wants you to know that your dream isn't, shouldn't have your heart above him. And he wants to make sure that your trust is in him and not in your dream. Because he cares more about your heart with him and knowing him than about you entering and doing something. Yeah. Now, I want you to know this too. In Genesis 22, it said sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. You see, that was a test. It was a test of his faith by God. And I know we could get into spiritual warfare and all that jazz, I get it. But I think there's a reality in our testing of our faith that is really good to talk about. And so what I have realized is your faith Your trust in God will be tested. And for many, it is being tested every day. Every day it's being tested. And so for me, will I trust he is who he says he is when it's tested? And for you, the same, right? So I want to read you a scripture again out of 1 Peter this time. This is great. This needs to be preached on more, by the way. It says, so be truly glad. Oh, this sounds like it's going to be a really great verse, right? There is wonderful joy ahead. All right, here we go. Even though you must endure, there's that word endure, many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. How do you know unless you go through something? How 
do you know you trust him as a provider unless you need provision? How do you know you trust him as a healer unless you need healing? How do you know you can trust him as a deliverer unless you need deliverance? Right? So these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Get this, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. This is amazing. And so this means that our faith is being tested and will be tested. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like my faith has been tested a lot lately. But I want to continue on to verse 8 there. And it says this. Okay. It says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you... Oh, there's that word again. Trust. Faith is trust. You trust him. And then what does it say? Okay. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And then the last verse, verse 9 says, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Yeah. Faith is trust. Salvation comes only through trusting in Jesus. By grace, through faith. So the reward that we get for trusting Jesus is the salvation of our souls. And I dare say the demons don't have that and they just believe. Right? Okay. James 1.3 says this, for you know that if, no, when, you know that when, that means it's, it's going to happen. For you know that when your faith is tested, your, oh, here's that word again. Endurance has a chance to grow. So what does it say? So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. It sounds like to me we're going to be tested to the end of our lives. Because I ain't going to be perfect and complete lacking nothing until I see Jesus. (laughs) And I have to embrace it. I can't complain. I got to embrace the testing. I've got to change my perspective. When things come at me that don't make sense and it's a test of my faith, no matter if it's spiritual warfare or not, and I say, I'm going to trust God, it's an opportunity that I have to show God that I trust him that I'm not going to have in heaven. And I get to stand on him. And then the really cool thing I've noticed is like, I don't know, this is just what I see, but the harder the test, I see the more glorious the results. So when I know I'm going through something really difficult, and it's a, it's a test, you know what I'm saying? Because there are some tests that you're like, oh, yeah, it's not that big of a deal, right? But there are some that it's like, this is going to take a while to figure out. <laughs> I know that when I'm facing something like that, if I press through and trust God, that I'm going to see the most glory on the other side of it. If I endure with confidence that he is who he says he is, that he's all powerful, that he has all wisdom, and he is so good, he's going to work it for good in my life. And so then when I see it, I'm like, praise God. This doesn't make any sense, but I know that on the other side of this, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) What is our perspective? 
Now, a verse that has challenged me in my own personal daily Bible reading is out of Numbers, and it's Numbers 21 to 5. This is when Israel was tested, and I believe that all of you will see yourself somewhere in this verse, okay? But it says, in the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin. Okay, note, they had just come out of Egypt, right? God just brought them out of Egypt, delivered them from captivity, parted the Red Sea. They're in a wilderness, but their promise is to go to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. So now they're in the wilderness, and it says, while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for people to drink at that place. So they rebelled. Who'd they rebel against? They're leaders, <laughs> Moses and Aaron. And then it says, the people blamed Moses and said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Now, they were treated horribly in Egypt, right? They were afflicted. They were treated so bad. They were slaves, yes. And so they're like, why did you make us leave Egypt? Why did you make us leave slavery? Why didn't you just let us die there, right? And then it says, and bring us here to this terrible place. Here's a catcher for me, guys. It says, this land has no grain, no figs, no grapes. I mean, they're specific. No pomegranates and no water to drink, right? What is their eyes on in this place? It's such a natural view, like, okay, God, uh, you told me we were going to a land flowing in milk and honey. This place doesn't even have water. But hey, by the way, it doesn't just not have water. It doesn't have grain. Where are my pomegranates at? It doesn't have grapes. <laughs> right? So later in verse 13, it says, this place was known as the waters of Mirabah, which means what? Ooh. And then here's the thing that gets me. It says, because the people of Israel argued with the Lord. Who did they argue with? The Lord. I mean, they were mad at Moses and Aaron, but really it was the Lord that they're arguing with. This gets me because it's like, how am I, when I go to a place and it's not what I expected, it's not the promise I received. It's taking longer than I thought. This was like in the beginning of the second year of them being pulled out of captivity, right? And then I'm seeing it and I'm like, why did you bring me here, Lord? <laughs> There's no water even, like your basic need. I thought you said a land flowing with milk and honey. This place is dry, right? What's our heart? What's our attitude? What are we seeing? What are we focusing on? Now, I was reading Psalms 81, and it actually says this. It says, you cried to me in trouble. They were in Egypt, and they cried out to him, and he answered them. And it says, I saved you. He brought them out. Then it says, I answered out of the thundercloud, literally on the mountain, if you guys remember. And then it says, and he tested their faith. Huh. Where? And Meribah. Ooh, that was a test. When I read that, I remember thinking, oh man, whenever there's lack in my life or it's not what I think, I'm going to trust God. Because I don't want my heart to be the way their heart was. Because they were tested and they did not pass that test. 
case you didn't know, right? They did not pass. Let me tell you something. How do I know they didn't pass? Because it took 40 years in the wilderness. It took a whole generation dying before a generation rose up and said, I will trust God enough to do whatever he says he'll do. A whole generation. It took a whole generation dying before a generation said, if you want me, us to all be circumcised, we'll do it. Old, young. If you want us to march around a wall and not say anything, we'll do it. Yeah, if you want us to do that for six days in a row, hey, we'll do it. Oh, if you want us to march around six times in a row and not say anything and then shout. Yeah, because that makes sense to conquer a city, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, but we'll do it because we trust you. Our confidence is in you. We know that you're all powerful. We know that you're all wise. And we know that you're good. I want to be like that. So let me tell you, my last point here is, you cannot enter the promised land if you do not trust God. So I don't know where some of you guys are today. If maybe you, you have these promises you're holding on to that the Lord is going to do in your family, in your finances, in your life. They're promises. He cares more about your heart and trusting him than about bringing you into a place. And you can refuse to enter the place. You can refuse. Get this, Psalm 106, 24 and 25. The people refused to enter the pleasant land. Why? They wouldn't believe his promise. They wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. Instead, they grumbled. They complained in their tents and they refused to obey the Lord. Are you grumbling? In your house, no one else is around. Are you grumbling to the Lord? Are you complaining? Are you refusing to trust that God really is who he says he is? That he's good? That he wants to care for you? That you're his child? You're his beloved. He loves you with an everlasting love. His faithful love endures forever. And he is good. And if we are not trusting in that, we will not enter into the promises God has for our life. I'm not saying that you won't be fully saved, you won't make it into heaven, but you will not enter into the promises he has for you. I don't want to see Jesus one day and realize I missed out on all this stuff he had for me on, heaven, on earth. I want to trust him now in every area of my life. I don't want to complain. I don't want to question. God, you said it, you'll do it. If you said it, I believe it. Eh? Bum, bum, ba, dum, bum. <laughs> I love it. Do you believe it? Will you change your life to align? I'm telling you, when you go through things, when you face different circumstances, I want you to ask yourself, will I trust God in this? That he is who he says he is. So whenever you're feeling lack, will I trust he's my provider? Will I thank him that he's my provider? Will I rejoice that I'm going to see his provision come through? And I'm not going to doubt his goodness. I'm not going to doubt his faithfulness. I'm not going to doubt that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he said he'll do. If I see someone that needs healing, will I trust that he's the healer? That by his stripes they are healed? We are healed. Will I pray for them and believe in faith that God wants to touch their lives and wants to see them whole? Will I, will I do that? 
Or will I just say, oh, I hope you're feeling better. Let me go buy you some medicine maybe, you know? I'm okay with medicine. And you can pray, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, what's your first response and where's your trust in? Is it in the medicine or is it in Jesus? I want mine to be in Jesus. I want to believe God for the impossible. Why? He's the God of the impossible. And he receives the most glory that way. I mean, Jesus dies the most gruesome death. God of the universe comes to earth as a man, right? Walks a sinless life, dies the most gruesome death. Why? To pay for our healing, to pay for our saving, so that we can be restored in right relationship with us because he's good, so he can be good to us. So we can be covered in his blood and be able to approach the throne room of the Father, the Holy of Holies, and talk with God. And then he rose again so we can have new life. I want to walk in the new life of Jesus. He died for it. He paid a price for it. I don't want to live a life complaining when he's done so much for me. And at the end of the day, if all I have is him, is it enough for me to be thankful and not complain? It is. He's enough. But is he enough for you today? You know, last week... Pastor Hunter, during worship, felt from the Lord, Isaiah 43, 19. And Isaiah 43, 19 was like a prophetic word that he felt for us here. And it says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And as I was preparing this, I really felt from the Lord, this is an encounter church word. That he wants to make a road in the wilderness and rivers in a desert. But he can't do it if we don't trust. And so I felt really strongly many people here today have been feeling like they're in this wilderness. They're in the season of testing. It's not what they thought it was going to look like. It's not in the time frame they thought it was going to look like. And I felt like the Lord in his goodness and his mercy allowed me today to speak to you and say, will you trust me? Because it's not until you trust me that the waters can come fully. And so I'm gonna close with this question. Do you have real faith? Do you trust God? Do you believe that he's for you? Do you have, let's read it again, an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God? Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.